0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.
1: The title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, is called Father of All. Father of All. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 14 is where we're going to start. John 14, and while we're doing that, I'm going to pray. We're going to open up service With that, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you and honor you. Father, I thank you for the word and its truth in our lives. Father, help us to receive your thoughts and your words that you're sharing with us. Father, whatever has happened today, whatever things that have tried to distract us to take us off of our our path or whatever it may be, Father, I speak to those things. Lord, and I speak to those in the name of Jesus to be gone. I pray that you would open our minds, open our ears, and open our hearts to receive your words and your thoughts tonight. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. I ask that you would help me to speak this with simplicity and clarity, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, listen, are um, the, usher, the ushers back in here? Conrad, if you want to help out with that, if there's anybody that needs a Bible, if you didn't bring your Bible tonight and you want to follow along with the Word, if you'll put your hand up in the air, the ushers will serve you with the Bible on that. We're going to start in John 14, verse 1. Is where we're starting right here. And then it says this. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Trust in God and also trust in me. These are the choices that the Lord is telling us right here is very simply, if we'll trust in Him, it'll change things. This is Jesus speaking. So listen to it once again. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also Trust in me, trust in me also, because I've got great things that are still about, still there. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the perspectives, the way that we see things, the way that we hear things, the way that we say things, because things will change very rapidly. If somebody t- came up to you today and said, tell me who this God is, who, who, why, why do you go to church on Wednesday nights? Because there's a lot of times people will say, well, it doesn't make any sense to me. That's okay. Let me tell you about why I go to church. I go to church because I want to get refueled. Refueled with what? I want to get refueled with power, with passion, with peace, with joy, with kind of faithfulness. I want to be able to walk out of this place where I'm standing tall so that tomorrow morning when I go into work, I'm not, oh, man, here's work. I'm going into work going, Lord, this is another day. I get to worship you. Father, help me to serve you today. Help me to be the best that I can be today so that I can honor you. And so when we understand this statement... Don't let your hearts be troubled. Because understand, there's a lot of opportunity for that in the world today. There's a lot of opportunity. But the Lord says, simply trust in God and also trust in me. So Jesus is very simply saying, trust me. Trust me with what I'm about to teach you. Because if you don't get this, you're not going to be able to understand everything. So go to verse 15. Verse 15, Jesus is speaking again. Remember, he said, trust me. Trust me with what I'm teaching you. It says, if you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, be perfect in every way. No, that's not what he said. He said, just obey my commands. Obey my commands doesn't mean you're perfect. Obey my commands means simply you're trying to do your best. You're working hard. Lean on the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in God. Walk through the process with him. And he'll lead you to the proper path. If you love me, obey my commands. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Now catch that statement because we're going to come back and we're going to hit this point. We're going to really dig down into the scriptures right here is isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you now and later will be with you. Verse 18, now I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Verse 19, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I'm raised in my Father. And you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, let me paint this picture and help you to understand what's going on right here. Because this is a lot of scripture and a lot of things. We're kind of going, okay, this, okay, why are we spending so much time on this? The reason why we're spending so much time on this is because at this moment, Jesus, for the first time, is presenting God the Father. And they're going, I don't understand. I understand God. I can go to the Old Testament and see a God. When I see God, sometimes God is angry. Sometimes God is upset. Sometimes God is nice. Sometimes God is this. You just never know who he's going to be. And so a lot of people looked at God and said, well, if I just keep screwing up, then I've got to go make all these sacrifices, then I'll be okay with God. But now, for the first time, he presents him as God the Father. So he presents him here, and he comes through, and he says this statement. He uses the word Father three different times in there. Now, when I grew up, my next-door neighbors were all adopted. And they were adopted well before, like they have been with the family way before I ever knew them. So they were adopted. The oldest, when I first moved there, I think was a seventh grader or eighth grader. And he had been with the family since he was like three. So that's all he really knew. But he knew he was adopted. They weren't ashamed of it. But at one point in their lives, they were orphans. So when we talk about orphans, I kind of have an idea about this. Because I grew very close with this family. And when you looked on the outside at them, They didn't look like a family. Just like if you looked on the outside at this group right here, you would say that's just a kind of a unique group you've got here. You got a lot of different colors of shirts that are here, and you got a lot of different colors of hair that are here, and you got a lot of different stuff here. But this is our family. And so when you look at this, it changes, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, we've got a little color here, and A little less color here and a little more color here and a little less here. And and I'm talking about this family and they're all adopted. But when you talk to them, every one of them referred to the same person the same way. They said, that's my dad. They had to be taught because the first day they walked in, they didn't go, hey, dad. They walked in and they had to learn who dad was. So when we talk about being orphans, we don't understand who father God truly is. But this is what he comes back to when he's teaching us, verse 18. Remember, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. Now, the thing about orphans is they have no heritage. They only have an opportunity to leave a legacy. But they have nothing to look back upon and say, this is where everything comes from. This is who I am. So at this point, what he's saying is, I'm now giving you an opportunity to recognize who you are. For the first time, when you look in the mirror and you hear this person say, God, you're not saying that sounds good. You're saying that's my father. And so he's saying it changes the way that you look at him. When I speak of anybody else, if I talk about Ernest, I'm talking about a friend of mine. But when I talk about my dad, I'm talking about a totally different person. I can give more detail about my dad than I can about Ernest. I've known Ernest for many years now, but that doesn't mean I know him as intimately as I know my dad. And better yet, my dad knows me more intimately than Ernest. And the thing about it is, is that when we look and we understand the difference between being an orphan and being a child of God, everything changes. So this scripture, verse 18, it cross-references into Romans chapter 8. So if you have a Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 8, we're going to go to verse 23. Romans 8. We're going to get to some nuggets in here. So stick with me for just a second. We're going to get there. So Romans 8 23. And it says this and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretold, as foretaste of the future glory. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. So this scripture is cross-referenced into this. So what He's talking about here is that you're no longer orphans. When we sing that song, it's not just an idea, it's a statement. It's when we say, I'm no longer an orphan, I am a child of God. You have a heritage. You have people that have gone before you that you look and you say, no, that's my father that blessed me with that. No, that's my dad who was there giving me everything that I need. Verse four and, uh, chapter nine, verse four says this. This is the second verse it cross-references with. It says, they are people of Israel chosen. I love that statement chosen to be God's adopted children. Now you may look back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm here at church, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what mistakes I've made. I don't really think God thinks of me the way that you're saying it. Well, I'm not just making this up. I'm reading God's word. Remember the Bible says in second Timothy, this is for the correcting and rebuking of thoughts that are not lined up with God. It's to help us to understand that this is his word written to us, that if we'll accept it, it'll change forever. So as I look at this statement, they are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children, which means you weren't born into this. You were chosen to be into this. You were chosen, handpicked. You know, the Bible says in Uh, John chapter 16, it says that I chose you well before you ever chose me. So God comes back and he's simply sharing this statement. In the scriptures, in the Greek, this scripture teaches us that the adoption is called the sonmanship. So when we reread this, so it's not the adopted children, God will give us our full rights as his sonmanship, which means that we get all the legacy, all the things and all the blessings that God is giving us. Now, you may say, does that tie into everything? What does this take? Well, the Bible teaches us the only way to the father is through the son. The only way to the son is to confess your sins and say, Lord, I confess you as Lord of my life. Does that mean that you become perfect? No, that does not be. But what it does is it brings you into the house. Understand this. As a child, I have probably disappointed my dad more than I can ever count. But you know what? He's never turned his back on me. If I went back to Grand Junction, Colorado and went to his house right now, I could walk straight into that house without having to worry about it, and he wouldn't look at me and go, who are you, and what are you doing here? Well, I think you've got the wrong house. I think you got the wrong number. I think you got the wrong this. I think you got the wrong... No. He looks at me and says, I'm so glad you're home. Thanks for coming to see me. Now, it changes the way that we view things. So as we understand this, the way that we view God, it changes. Now, you may be sitting there and thinking, okay, how does this all tie together? How does this, what, I, I, I think we get it, we're all children of God. But I got a question, do you really show and act as a child of God? Do you have those slides ready? So, now I want you to look on this. So, an orphan, an attitude of an orphan, so I want you to read, we're going to read the left side. The attitude of an orphan is this, feels alone, lacks a vital daily intimacy with God, and is full of self-concern. Now let me tell you what a child of God does. Has a growing assurance that God is really my loving Heavenly Father. So without hands raised, without pointing fingers, without looking at someone and nudging them next to you, ask yourself the question, in my everyday life, where do I find myself more? Okay, go to the next one. The orphan lives on a success slash fail basis, needs to look good and be right, is performance oriented. The child of God is learning to live in a daily conscious partnership with God and is not fearful. Go to the next one has little faith. The orphan has little faith, lots of fear, lots of faith in himself. I've got to fix this. How many times have you heard that this week? The child of God has a daily working trust in God's sovereign plan and for his or her life as loving, wise, and best believes God is good. Go ahead and go to the next. The orphan is defensive, can't listen well, Bristles at the charge of being self-righteous, thus proving the point. The child of God is open to criticism, since she or he consciously stands in Christ's perfection, not in his or her own, is able to examine his or her unbelief, recognizing some things. It's not about being perfect. The orphan gossips, confesses other people's sins, needs to criticize others to feel right, and has the gift of discernment. The child of God is able to freely confess his faults to others, is finding that he is often wrong, he or she is often wrong, is eager to grow. Now, I I love this. I'll I'll stop right there. We're going to keep going. I've got a couple more slides. I love this because the man who normally stands here, he has confessed things that people have looked at him and said, I can't believe you stood on stage and said that in front of people. He looks and he says, hey, I'm just human. I make mistakes just like every other person. He always says, I put pants one one leg at a time, just like everybody else. I don't get dressed in a phone booth. He said, I'm just following along with the word, just like God's teaching. Go ahead and go to the next. The orphan tends to compare himself with others, lending either to pride or depression The child of God stands in confidentiality, confident basically in Christ. His self worth comes from Jesus' righteousness, not his own. You know, I I see this all the time. I I see it with people in ministry, I see it within people within life in general. How many times have you walked into a place and somebody goes, judging themselves based on what you look like? Against themselves and either that gives them a great moment or a terrible moment I can still remember to this day when I was a ninth grader I had a girl that was sitting next to me in class and that girl every test beat me every single test except one Except one and every test. I never looked at her grade But she always looked at mine and compared herself to me and I brightened her day till that one test Tell the one test When I beat her and I was looking for a simple, hey, pat on. hey, good job, man. You did real good. You know what she did? She went into a straight depression. She made me feel horrible for beating her. That wasn't my goal. It just turned out that way. That's the orphan spirit. Do we have one more? Do we have another one? There we go. The orphan, <clears throat> relatively prayerless. Praise is, prayer is the last resort. Praise sometimes in public, seldom in private. Isn't that interesting? The child of God's prayer is a vital part of the day, not confined to a quiet time, loves to talk to the Father. We have one more? Or is that it? Is that it? Okay. So as we read those, I hope something like a pinprick hits you with something in there. And not because I want you to feel bad, because understand this. I went through all of these, and there were some of those that hit me. Point blank, like somebody punched me right in the mouth, they hit me. And I recognized that part of my attitude has been of an orphan and not of a child of God. And so the understanding that I want to, under, to get across here is that when we become children of God, it changes the way we view things. It changes the way that you see, you hear, you speak. And so we walk through this process, and it's not about being this perfect person, because that's what orphans look like. An orphan thinks, I've got to be perfect, because remember what it said earlier? It's about self-righteousness, it's about looking good, it's about being right. If you're unwilling to say, oh, I'm sorry, and instead always have to get the last word in, maybe that orphan spirit has gotten on to you a little more than you think. Because understand this, till we truly become a child of God, we'll always revert back to what we know. You always go back to what's comfortable. Always. And that's the enemy's goal, is to get you back into who you used to be. God is saying, let's leave the old behind. The new is here, and let's go to the new place. It's about receiving and walking that out. As a child of God, it changes everything. So, As we went through that, a lot of that to me, the orphan spirit you see daily within the world. We don't know how things are gonna work out. I'm in fear all the time. I'm always worried about this. I've got to best you because if I look worse than you, then maybe they're gonna fire me and it's always fear, fear, fear. But God always speaks about let it be faith, faith, faith. So as the Christmas season comes around, I, I don't know how this happens. I, I, I really don't. Well, I do because we just learned about it. I, I saw a video of this event, I guess, that you call, uh, that there was a Black Friday sale. These two ladies went to this parking lot, and some of you probably have seen this video, and they start fighting over this parking spot, literally fighting they get out and are punching each other and kicking each other. They get done and one of them's like just on the ground, crumbled up in a, you know, the fetal position and is finally gets up, crawls into her car, starts her car, revs the engine and rams the other girl's car. Now the other girl gets out and she's screaming and yelling. So the girl backs up and rams it again. And they go back and forth through this thing. This girl's got her passenger door open. So the other girl takes her car and takes out her passenger door. And we're sitting there, and I I mean, these people are like, this is over a parking spot. This is Christmas, and you're fighting over a parking spot. And it didn't end there. They go out into the street and literally like demolition derby, just bam, ram into each other and do these things. And I'm going, this is like make-believe. This doesn't make sense to me. How do people do this? But when you're an orphan, that's all you know. I've learned this. The orphan spirit always... Gets what they have to take care of themselves I don't care what you get as long as I get what I need They become very manipulative They learn to play the system And I look at those things and I think that's not god And so if you found yourself because understand this I found myself there Because I didn't come from a church background that taught me that god will provide everything I was taught My brother's going to take it. If he doesn't take it, I better get it because he's going to take it after if I don't get it now. Survival of the fittest. All those things. Well, that's not the way God teaches us. And so as we come down this Christmas season, it changes everything. It's not about what I get. What can I give? What can I do to bless somebody else today? What can I be in someone else's life at this moment? Because understand this. You don't know how much one event mean to one person. What I mean by, when I was in college, I'd started serving the Lord, and I I was really, um, it it was kind of unique. The Lord had really blessed me with, uh, you know, in college, if you get 10 bucks, man, you're blessed. You're you're like, this is amazing. This is amazing, you know, dorm food, and uh, I don't have to eat dorm food. I get to go eat a little Caesar's pizza. You're like rejoicing because it's the greatest day of your life, and uh, we're going through all these things. Well, I had been blessed with uh, this thing called the Pell Grant and they paid me money to go to college. I had a baseball scholarship and then they paid me on top of that. It was the greatest event I've ever, I was like, this, this really, I don't have to pay this back. And they're like, no, it's yours. I'm like, really? And you're like, joke. No, this is yours. I'm like, okay, man. I had money in the bank. I had money. I could go out and do these things. So Christmas is coming up and I'm like, all right, God. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I believe God that, that, that you know, everybody. And if you know everybody and you know everything about them, then you know what they really want. So I said, okay, God, I'm not going to just go buy anything. I'm only going to buy what you tell me to buy for that person because I want to really bless them. And so I'm like, okay, God. So I pray about it. I'm like, okay, Dad, what what do I get for my dad? What do I get for my brother? What do I get for my mom, my stepdad, my stepbrother, my sister, my grandma my grandpa i'm going through all these different ones and i'm saying god what do i get for them and i start praying about it i start praying about it and all of a sudden this little voice raises up and i feel like the lord spoke to me and he said write him a letter i'm like write him a letter and i remember sitting there going write him a letter i'm like lord i have money now like, I, don't, I know. that's when I'm broke that I write a letter as a sympathy thing. No, I have money. Let me go buy them something incredible. And he said, no, write them a letter. I said, but Lord, that doesn't make any sense to me. He said, I want you to ask two things in that letter. Two things to cover in that letter. One, I want you to tell them what's happened in your life. What has happened in your life? I want you to share what's happened. The second thing is, I want you to be honest and tell them what they mean to you. Not what you think of them, but what they mean to you. So I said, okay, all right, God. So I got out and I was like, okay, if I, maybe if I get these letters done, then he'll tell me what to go by. So I, so I write all these letters and get them all finished. I, I, I seal them all up. And it, it was funny because then all of a sudden things started coming up in my life and I never got a chance to really hear God again throughout the rest of that. So I went and bought a few little knickknacks and things here and there. And then I went back. And I remember showing up Christmas morning. And, uh, you know, we had some presents down there. And I said, I've got one more present after, you know, everything's kind of been opened up. Everybody's got, I've got one more present. And so I went and got the letters and I handed a letter to each person that was in the room. And they said, what's this? And I'm like, it's full of money. And they're like, really? And I said, no, it's not. I said, it's just a letter. And I said, it's just a letter that the Lord asked me to write to each one of you. And so, you know, my brother, he opens it up, and he starts reading it. And all of a sudden, a tear starts coming down his eye. And I remember sitting there thinking, he's a baby. No, I didn't. I I really, I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, God, you're doing something in his life at this moment. And I look over, and my sister starts crying. And my stepbrother starts crying. And then I look at my mom and my mom's like, I'm not opening this. Everybody else is crying. I'm going to cry on my own. And my stepdad opens up his. A man who came into my life when I was five years old. The man who led me to the Lord, not because he kept shoving the Bible down, but because he offered me food after church. And because of that, allowed me to receive the Lord. That letter he looked at me and he said, this may be the best gift I've ever received in my life. And I remember sitting back at the moment and I said, Lord, I never would have thought a letter would have meant so much. But when you become a child of God, it's not about things anymore. It's not about possessions. It becomes so much more about what can I do because ultimately the Lord wants to touch your heart as he wants to touch your neighbor's heart. And your boss's heart and your co-worker's heart. Because he loves them as much as he loves you. And he wants to use you to show that love. You know, as I was preparing this, this thought kept coming up in my mind. It's hard to appreciate what you can't see. It's hard to appreciate what you can't see. You know, when you talk to parents, you see the sacrifice that they go through. You know. We become thankful for jobs, we become thankful for houses, we become thankful for family, because we can see them. But how many of you this morning woke up and said, man, I'm thankful that my heart's beating right now? Now, some of you may say, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I did, I did that. How many of you were thankful that you don't have to think about your heart beating? I started looking into this, and I started thinking about this because the Lord started speaking to me, and and one of the things is, a heart beats on an average day, 100,000 times. But how many times do we get up and we say, Lord, I'm so thankful that I don't have to think about breathing today. The Lord, you've created this so that I can do other things without having to think about those. Lord, I'm so grateful for this little thing that is this big, that because it beats, allows me to live this life. I started looking at it, and I found this one funny. You know a woman's heart beats eight times more than a man's does? You're doing so much, right? That's because you guys got so many things going on. My wife, she never stops. Um, I, I think it may be due to talking, but I, I wasn't sure on that. So, um, you know, a heart beats 2,000 gallons of blood a day. 2,000 gallons of blood a day. Just this heart. And you know, we never wake up in the morning, every morning, saying, God, I'm so thankful that you intricate. That that you created all this that I don't have to think I just get to do I get to be and I get to experience You know when it changes how we view things When we continue to look at god and become grateful and thankful for what he has oscar if you want to kind of come up I started Going through some of the scriptures that god lays on my heart Some of the scriptures that, that that you hear in a lot of sermons And I started thinking about Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for prosperity, for blessing, for encouragement, for all the great things that I have for you. Not to harm you, but to help. I started thinking about Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, that says, don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on me. When you become a child of God, you experience those things. They're not just far off ideas. They become who you are. And we walk them out. And then I came across this. You know, I shared last week, pastor, he sings all the time. All the time. I hear him singing songs all the time. And and it doesn't matter if he's a great singer or not. He just chooses, I'm gonna sing and I'm gonna worship. And I think about this because so many times, I, I was talking with Oscar this morning and we were talking about just different songs. And we were going through some different stuff and, and he started singing songs and they've been stuck in my head all day. I've been singing these songs. I remember when I was like, when my kids were little, we, they'd watch these little cartoon shows and those dumb songs would get stuck in my head. I'd be singing and walking down the hallway doing these things. They're like, what are you singing? I'm like, uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. My wife would be like, "Shh," but I realized very quickly songs do something to and so we started talking about this and I came across this, Psalms 136, verse one says this. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Verse two says, give thanks to God, to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever and give thanks to the Lord, the Lord of Lords. His faithful love endures forever. And the, the, verse 26 says, give thanks to the God of heavens. His faithful love endures forever. I started sitting back there thinking about that. Thinking about these scriptures. And I said, there's something to it. And I went down to Oscar and I said, Oscar, I said, I want you to, I feel like this is a, literally a song written. And he said, you know what? I wrote a song about this a long time ago. And I said, my hope for every person in this room is that tomorrow morning you would wake up singing this song. And so, Oscar.
0: Well, well.
1: Pastor Matt, <clears throat> actually, this song, I, I wrote one and I sang for you, but
0: this one actually takes me back a little bit further. Um, <clears throat> raise your hand if you grew up in the church, heard of a guy, Steve Green. Anybody heard of a guy named Steve Green? Yeah, did Andy? I see somebody's hand? Andy? Yep, there we yes? go. Yes? Okay, go. good. There okay. We go. Well, he wrote this kids, um, <clears throat> his kids, uh, it's called Hide Him in Your Heart which takes from Psalms 19, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, he took Scripture, and he took this, um, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He took that, and he turned it into a song. And he did all these for different other Scriptures and different things. Well, they turned this into kind of a gospel So I'm going to have you guys stand up with me. Stand, up. stand <clears throat> up, up. Up on your feet. Up on your feet. We're going to sing this, because what Pastor Matt's going to say is, we need to get this... Uh, uh, Say it real quick. Give thanks to the Lord. What you're just Give wanting to get to their, the in their mind to remember this yes. each morning. Yes. Because the,
1: the, the thing we want you to walk away with is that every morning we want you to sing this song. We want you to wake up singing this. We want you to walk down the street singing this song to yourself. Because the more that you can remember how amazing God is, the more that your change will happen here, will happen here, will happen here, will happen here, and it will continue to flow. But if we just get the word, from the world, it'll change how we view everything, and so he's got he's got a way of singing it the way he did this. And so, if you want okay. to put these up, this NIV, yep.
0: NIV, we're gonna clap our hands like this. Come on, kind of gospelly, all right. So we're gonna I'll sing it once, and you're gonna sing with me. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Pretty easy, right? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com